0: Welcome to Farcast. Now here's your host, Michael
1: Farr. Good evening and welcome to the Farcast. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, It is a great privilege to be in your earbuds and in your cars and just carried with you however you manage to get us there in your homes and offices. We appreciate the cards, the letters, and the feedback. Great feedback from last week's Farcast. Absolutely a terrific program. And this week is going to even be a topper. The great Kenny Polcari is back. Uh, Weisberg was unavailable, so we reached out to get, you know, Kenny. I, I just say that just to keep Kenny smiling. Uh, we we have the great Dan Mahaffey with us tonight. Um, and uh, my old friend, uh, Tom Heath, from the Washington Post, who's been at the Washington Post for a very long time, and he loves it when I say old and long time, uh, he's waving at me uh, right now. Oh, that was actually more fingers than the first time. Perfect. I,
0: yeah, I think he was saying you were number one.
1: <laughs> I think he's saying I was number one. Remember that on the forecast, we believe that money is hard to make. We believe that old-fashioned research, hard work, discipline, and patience are the keys to successful investing. And we believe that emotion is the foe of the long-term investor if you're feeling fearful or ebullient be careful. You're probably getting ready to make a mistake. You feel like you want to do something about it to, to assuage and allay the fear or to act on that ebullience because we're going to all cash in and make a lot more money because everything's great. Step back, go back to your discipline, get some advice from a pro. It's a good time to phone a friend. Uh, When I want to phone a friend and a real expert, remember the first segment of the forecast. we discuss markets, and we do New York, what's going on on Wall Street. We're going to talk about Washington, uh, and then we're going to talk about the world with my friend Heath. Uh, But right now, uh, the handsome, the debonair from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, the head of floor operations and managing director from O'Neill Securities, much older than I am, Kenny Polcari. Welcome to the forecast once again, KP, baby.
2: Always a pleasure, Michael. How are you?
1: I'm well. I'm just terrific. I just landed from Chicago. Uh, I was out there, and I even paid a visit today uh, to Calamos Investing. I sat down with John Calamos this morning. I hadn't right. actually sat and visited with him in person before. So this guy's mid-70s, right? He started yep. as a stockbroker. He grew up in Chicago, uh, living above the market that his father ran, the supermarket that his father ran. Right. He, uh, the firm at one point managed over $50 billion. They managed something like $23 billion today. Yeah. Uh, yep. he, he, it's an amazing American dream success story. It was a great privilege to get to talk to him about his experience in business. Also a uh, Vietnam vet. And a fighter pilot. I mean, it's just, he's the the whole package. Oh, yeah, just amazing meeting. So, that was Chicago. Tell me what happened in New York today. I didn't see much change in the numbers. We've had the meeting. Oh, my
2: God, it was, talk about dull. Dull. Dull, 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 right? Nothing. There was zero reaction to... to the U, You know the U. S. North Korea summit zero. Even after you know his conference at the, his press conference at four o'clock in the morning, kind of outlining it, I expected at least some reaction, whether positive or negative. Didn't make a difference. I expected something to come out of it, but not only did nothing come out of it. It was even, I mean, there wasn't even, you know, there was the initial talk this morning on the floor about it. But then as the day wore on, the focus turned right to AT&T and time one what was going to happen. You saw what happened there. They, the judge came out and ruled it's okay, so apparently it's going to go forward. And, uh, and then really the talk about the chatter about the Fed, the ECB, and the Bank of Japan, which is happening Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this weekend, and, and, and what's really going to be the next catalyst to drive it.
1: So, I I thought that that, I thought that that, so there were a couple of big things there, Kenny. I mean, so we had this meeting overseas. Why didn't markets react? I mean, you got uh, Kim Jong un, and I mean, six months ago they're calling each other fatso and stupid and everything else. And now we're, you know, getting together and singing kumbaya in Singapore, and nobody cares. Why?
2: Nobody cares. Well, but listen, you know, typically geopolitical events do not typically uh, create value or create or price stocks. I mean, listen, ultimately, if the event takes place, and we're still a far a long way from, from really this event taking place in terms of are they really denuclearized? Are they really going to join the table? Are they really going to act like a big boy in a civilized world? We don't really know any of that stuff yet. And so the market is doesn't respond to it, right? I mean, we. Everyone well, apparently. It.
1: I mean, great, I, but, apparently they but, don't react to it because they, uh, they must right. have gotten exactly what they expected.
2: Right, right, exactly right. And so... uh, But to me, Kenny, I mean, you get somebody
1: who says, I'm going to quit chucking nukes towards Japan. That's got to be worth a couple of points, and I was wrong about that.
2: You would think it was worth a couple of points, but, you know, some of that could have already been built into the move that the market has made. Look, we're back kissing 2800 now on the, on the uh, S&P, which is the March high, right, which is we've had trouble kind of uh, piercing once, it, once we failed in March and we traded lower. It's been a long trek back. And so, you, you know, some people say, well, the market kind of moved ahead in anticipation of that meeting, and so, therefore, now that it happened, it, you know, it's, it's a big dud, right? So there's nothing there. But what's really, what really held the market in check today, certainly in the telecommunications, Co kind of media space was a whole AT&T-Time Warner deal because if they if the judge blew that up then it would have been you know it would have been a negative story for that whole sector and group and you would have seen pressure in the after hours market plus plus tomorrow I think now clearly what you're going to see is is. is you're going to see action, right, tomorrow, at least in that sector, as a result of that, of that ruling tonight by the judge. The other thing is, really, is, is are the big EC, uh, the big federal bank meetings. Now, the Fed's not necessarily going to be so big, because we all expect what they're going to say. No one's expecting he's going to say anything different than, look, rates are going up 25 basis points. We're on target. Our economy's good. It's strong. We're not going to be too hawkish, but we're not going to be dovish. And so, therefore, the market's okay with that. Oh, yeah, but I, the think, I, think-, I
1: think they could insert just a little bit of a change of word that could be absolutely crucial tomorrow because i think the big fear is that they overreact and so what you've got to do is you've got to start watching cnbc at one o'clock which is when i'll first appear to comment then you've got to watch at one thirty, and then i'm on until 2 30 explaining what the fed did after the fed does it now i think this is cliffhanger information and you've got to join me on cnbc tomorrow you got what I I'm say, saying, listen, K.P.? I would
2: love to be on with you tomorrow. Actually, I'm going to make a call right now. I'm going to see if I can't weasel my way onto the show with
1: you. I think you should do it because uh, t- uh, Tyler Matheson's going to be in D.C. We're doing it from D.C. Uh, live. Right. This, is, uh, this, is, this is big doings here, and, and we really shouldn't do it without K.P.
2: <laughs> but here's what I think, because I think you're right. If they change the terminology, if they change the language, then that could certainly cause some, the, some volatility, some activity, some action in the market for sure. If they don't, then the market's going to focus on the ECB, because the ECB, look, we're already on the path, right? We've already started the taper. We've already started to, quote, unquote, normalize. Right,
3: the
1: right.
2: ECB has not. But yet all the expectation is that on Thursday Mario Draghi is going to come out and he is going to start to announce, okay, yes, we are going to start to pull back, we are going to start to taper, and we are going to start to normalize. Now, he's either going to say that or he's going to say, no, not yet. And so the market is expecting he's going to say it. But if by chance he doesn't, that creates a whole other set of activities for certainly the European Markets, but as well as the U.S. market. So I think all that stuff is kind of holding holding the activity did in the market. Chase, look, we had. Did, really you did you see Paul Tudor Jones this
1: morning? Did you see Paul Tudor Jones on TV this morning? Paul Tudor Jones. I, I didn't
2: hear what he had to say. I did see him, but I, did, I couldn't hear him because the volume was turned down. Uh,
1: he, he was terrific. And I thought he was as good and as brilliant as anybody I've heard do that show in the morning, really. He was that good. And he was followed by Mohamed el Aryan, who's the other like, really bright guy right. I listen to and, when you're and not on. What did on. Tudor Jones say? Well, so Paul Tudor Jones said, one, that he's not particularly invested at this particular moment because he likes to go with leverage and he likes to buy volatility with leverage. That's really? absolutely, uh, you know, 180 degrees what we do at Far Miller in Washington. Well, of but course, that's how he. That's
2: not what the average investor is well, going to do. You
1: can't do that for Fred and Ethel. No. But anyway, so absolutely he's not, not in right now. But he thinks that the second half of the year is going to be very good, one for his business, which means it's going to be volatile. But he thinks that we could have a very strong fourth quarter. Quarter uh, and CNBC started. I wondered if they. I, I don't know, Tom. Did you see that uh, interview? Uh, Tom Heath's Paul here too. Tudor Jones. Oh. Yeah, for, with uh, Paul Tudor Jones. Yes, yes.
4: Yes. He talked. I thought the most startling part was about the capitalism's got to modernize. He's buying into that. that what, the, the whole, the whole Larry Fink thing. Yeah. And, and uh, I thought that was the most startling part. And, the, and secondary was that uh, he sees the market uh, interest rates going up significantly in the fall. Uh, And later in the year, and then the market going, doing very well uh, in in accord
1: with the market, even doing better in the fourth quarter. So he's not scared by higher inflation. What do you think about that, Kenny?
2: No, I don't necessarily think it, well. I don't necessarily think you have to be scared of it. If, inf- if inflation is moderately higher, the way the Fed has made it sound, I think like, it's okay. If inflation spikes and then you get the spike in industry, that's where you're going to get the headwinds, and that's where you're going to get lots of volatility. Now, I don't know what he said. Is he thinking that inflation is going to run away?
1: Is that what he thinks? Uh, no, I don't think he, 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 said he didn't anything really talk about, about
4: inflation, but he did say right. interest rates are going to go up significantly. He, think they, he thinks they ought to be up a point and a half right now.
1: Uh, you know, but Tom, everybody I know, I know thinks I know. that know. interest rates should be a point know, and a half I know. higher. I know. And and everybody, and everybody wants to say, Kenny, I think, you know, oh, the Fed should have done this, the Fed should have done this. And when you say when, tell me exactly right. when, if you were Fed chairman, you would have actually started to raise more aggressively. And they all say, well, about maybe two or three years ago. Well, I mean, bull, you would not have. Uh, I well, just, I don't believe I to, it.
2: I have to tell you, that is the argument, right, is that we let it go on too
1: long. Well, or. or we let it go uh, on too long. In the, uh, versus right. all of the people who say it's too fragile to do anything now. I mean, anytime there was any whiff that the Fed was going to do anything, the markets just started to go straight into the uh, into the trench. Oh.
2: Okay, but here, so here's the argument. Now, here's the argument exactly when you say that. Every time there was a whiff, everybody had a nervous breakdown and a temper tantrum and the markets started yeah, yeah. To spill over. And so the Fed goes, oh, no, 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 don't anyone get nervous. Let's lie down on the couch and talk about this. Let's have a therapy session. Listen, don't you remember when the Fed used to come out, they'd make a statement, they'd turn around, they'd close the door, they wouldn't talk to anybody. They'd let the markets figure it out.
1: Yes, yeah. I, those, I, I refer to those as the good old days.
2: Okay, so would I? And I would, I would, I would suggest to you, yes, we had this massive financial crisis. I get it, right, coming to the brink in 2007 and 8. So it's a little bit different. But quite honestly, when the market started to panic in 2015 or 2016, when they were trying to, you know, and they were trying to start to normalize, and the market panicked, in my opinion, they should have let the market panic a little bit more, shake yes. them out. They yes. would have let the, They should have. They should have done it.
1: Tom H nodding raised, his head too. Yes. Wait, wait, Not that wait. they should have
2: raised rates dramatically, but they should have started. Even if they did an eighth of a 12.5 basis point, they should have done something to set the stage. And they should have let the market throw a tantrum, and they should have let the market figure out what it all means. And the fact that they didn't, the fact that they, they held your hand and they put you on a couch and they made it like a therapy session, now they're stuck with this. Everyone's, uh, 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 it's, like, it's like a therapy session. Now they can't do anything unless everyone says, okay, it's okay. That's bullshit that's baloney. The Fed should be the Fed and the the market should react to what the Fed does. And so I'm sorry I'm going off like this. Once again, once again,
1: once again, (laughs) uh, Afar agrees with Polkari. And, uh, you know, now that Robert De Niro has uh, has set the tone for the sort of language that's appropriate on the media, we can say whatever the hell we want. What did he say
2: exactly? (laughs) What did
1: bad Bobby say? I can't remember exactly what he said. Something he wished the president well, I believe, uh, on an open mic. Uh, Kenny, we are out of time. Sadly, and thank you, Jesus, we are out of time here, because this is just going away in the wrong I, I direction. I can't wait
0: to do this again next
1: week. Uh, I, if I'm still on the air, uh, we'll be happy to have you. Now, look, uh, give me give me a quick outlook for the week. Uh, you've been right all the way along. You've told everybody not to panic. Hang in there as the market's holding right. in. We've broken right. some support. Are we going to continue to hang in? I've got 30 seconds. Tell me.
2: No, now we're, on the, now we're on the north side, so all that, so we haven't broken it at all. And I think actually we're going to test 2,800, fail once again, and then by Friday I think we're going to pierce up and through 2,800. And once we do, it's going to set us up to challenge right to the highs, which were 20, what was it, 2,870, I think, were the highs back in February. So and the risk grade comes
1: that. back on, huh? Risk grade back on? Yep. Got it. You heard it from Kenny Polcari, my great friend from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Kenny, I can't thank you enough. You're our most popular guy every week. All the letters, all the cards, all the emails. It's always get us more, Kenny. Uh, You're the best. Thank you, buddy. Stay tuned on The Farcast. We will be right back. I'm Michael Farr. You're listening to
0: Farcast.
1: This portion of The Farcast is brought to you by Farr, Miller & Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Farmiller in Washington, we believe money is hard to make, and we're going to work hard to keep it working for you. You're listening
0: to Forecast. Now, here's your host, Michael Farr.
1: Welcome back to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr, and we are in Washington D.C. And I am in Washington D.C. just barely, having gotten off a plane in Chicago from Chicago earlier. Great trip out there to Shy Town. Great people. Hey Boris, what a terrific song! Tell me what we're listening to there. You always find the best music for us.
0: Well, thank you. Well, there is a rich tradition of music in uh, Russia,
1: uh, and on the Farcast we have a rich tradition. Yes,
0: very much so. Worried. This
1: is, uh, you know, the Elvis Presley song "Viva."
0: Las Vegas, right? Viva
1: Las Vegas, yes, I know That's that, right. I like that song.
0: Boris Spassky, the great chess player for former Soviet Union, Boris wrote Spassky. this as an answer song called Viva Volgograd. So Viva, this was very popular. Viva
1: Volgograd, yeah. Okay, well, uh, I... If you've
0: ever been to Volgograd, you'll understand why this is such a powerful song.
1: Uh, I, that may be my uh, not on my list ever. Alrighty, well... Keep your eyes open for uh, Boris's greatest hits to be released uh, from KTEL uh, for the holiday yeah. season. All right. Uh, great session with uh, uh, Kenny Polcari. That was a great segment. You got a little excited there. Boris, did you hear Kenny get excited? Yes, he did. Uh, no, I m- must go in and make edits. <laughs> must go in and make edits because the uh, the Federal Reserve might not be as pleased with all of uh, all of Kenny's <laughs> opinions about, about the world. Okay. Uh, we do Wall Street. Now we do Washington. We're going to do the world of, of money uh, with, with Tom Heath coming up from the Washington Post. Uh, we, uh, uh, right now, Dan Mahaffey uh, joining us as he does each week from the Center for the Study of the Presidency and Congress. Uh, uh, just our, our resident genius, Mahaffey, I think. Just maybe the resident genius. Too kind. You think? No, none told me I was mildly deficient in many ways. Really? Yeah. Well, I think think you've done well at overcoming some of that criticism. (laughs) Uh, All right, so here we go. Uh, Not much to talk in terms of the politics in Washington this week. We only had the G7, which the president suggested should have been the G8, and maybe we get rid of tariffs altogether. But, oh, by the way, you're all going to have tariffs because I hate you all. And then he was uh, almost late to his meeting... In Singapore, with North Korea, and the markets have done not much uh, in response. Please explain to the <laughs> listeners of the Farcast and anyone else who is, is, uh, can, can tune in here, uh, what, what happened with the G7? Well, you, we have there where you see
3: his impatience with multilateral institutions.
1: You've said that before.
3: And settings where he is on an equal stage with other leaders.
1: You think that's it? You I think, think this a, is a psychological problem?
3: I think there is when you see the difference between when he arrives in Saudi Arabia and he's feted by the monarch there, these uh, one-on-one summits. Even the difference uh, in his own relationship with Emmanuel Macron of France. One-on-one, the state visit to Washington, D.C., very gracious, very Lots of hand-holding, lots, lots of, of hugging. Lots of hand-holding, yes. very, very touchy-feely for, for, for two grown men. They were they Even talked about it. Then you have the the G seven summit in Canada. Uh, the the photo that came out from the German photographer that looks like a Baroque painting of, of <laughs> Trump uh, with his with his arms crossed and the everyone you know Rembrandt had did a you few th- paintings. Did you like think
1: that. of the Last Supper? There uh, was well, they what were on were...
3: different sides of the table. Yes, yes.
1: Uh, but they...
3: that was it. Was still. In that environment where he's uncomfortable with concepts of multilateral trade, the the institutions that exist, he he doesn't have the patience to speak to the Europeans and understand that they won't be bilateral trade deals because they will be EU-wide trade deals. Um, He talks about Canadian uh, uh, dairy tariffs, uh, forgetting that we had something called TPP, which was going to resolve uh, dairy tariffs, but he was out of that. You know, that was... Out and somehow feeling the need to show toughness to China by beating up on your closest friends uh, is the way he thinks this is going. To I be read resolved. a great
1: line. It said, "I read a great line. It said that picking a fight with Canada is like picking a fight with your golden retriever." I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, yes. Why, why? I mean, really? I mean, it's it, it, these are the nicest, most polite people in the world. Who? I mean, I, I don't. I don't get the upside there, other than. You have to show you're tough with somebody else?
3: Well, it's showing you're tough, and there there was one other president who in American history who felt he needed to be tough with a Trudeau, and that was Richard Nixon. Mm. Um, so pocket that historical similarity as you wish. Uh, but beyond that, the idea that uh, the relationship with Canada is somehow so, and I think it's interesting, too. It's it's it, Despite the uh, blow-up between the leaders, you look at cooperation. NORAD, we're, we're hardly putting frigates on the Great Lakes. Right. There's a relationship between these countries that has so much connective tissue that continues uh, despite what uh, what leaders say.
1: Well, uh, you know, uh, I, I, was, I was also reading a, a critique today, a political critique that said, you know, um, uh, pity the person who's underestimated Donald Trump. I mean, at any point from before he was elected all the way through, you may not like his style, you may not like his approach, you may not understand what he's doing. I mean, uh, uh, but... He still seems to be getting some results. Is that and cer- fair?
3: Certainly, I, w- I would say. Look, we we would never have had a president <coughs> walking across a stage in Singapore to shake hands with a uh, with Chairman Kim, of any variety. That that's a, a historic moment there. Uh, now the concern I, I'm, is. I'm waiting
1: for him to fly over to the Philippines next. Really, c-
3: something along those lines. But then you you have these uh, the challenge of getting into the details where he the the stagecraft. The imagery of it is amazing. I don't necessarily agree with having the U.S. flag right up and next to the North Korean flag, but uh, truly historical. But then you get into details about the, uh, the the drills, the military exercises, and and the fact that he focuses on cost of these exercises, not understanding that's the that's the edge that our military has, that ability to practice. What do you mean? Well, he loves to focus on uh, military parades. He's yes. been wowed by those. He wants to have one. Yes. Uh, those are really good at teaching a military how to drive three miles an hour, right. which is not a useful battlefield skill. The drills that we have with other countries, the, the interoperability we have with South Korea, Japan, also NATO countries in Europe, those <coughs> drills are actually real fighting. They're, the British commandos had a saying, uh, make drills bloodless war so that war is a bloody drill. Got it, and that you you go through it over and over again in practice, and you build that edge that our military has. It's training, it's education of its forces, and he he's reducing that down to a dollars and cents item when he's talking to a hostile foreign leader. Okay, so
1: so help me out as I as I interpret this, and I want Tom to weigh in on this. uh, As as I look at what at his meeting at the president's meeting at the G seven and and his meeting. With Kim. Was this a win of a week for the president? Did the president win this week?
3: They're scoring it for
1: themselves
3: and their base. They're scoring it a win in Trump world.
4: Uh, What do you think, Tom? Well, you know, if he didn't beat up on the Garden Club up north, he'd be better off because it kind of took some (laughs) some of the, some of the fun out of uh, some of the victory lap that he could have had. You know, getting the Corleones of Korea to, to to meet with them, and and you know, stopping World War Three. Because a year ag- a year ago, like I was talking to you on the phone, I was yep. like, oh my God, you know, the market's going crazy because somebody's launched a missile and Japan is hiding under their desks. And and now he's talking to them, and he's got the guy. At least he's meeting them and doing a photo op. So. Uh, he, I mean, he's got a lot of bragging rights out of this, and I think Dan is exactly right. I mean, you, the stupidity. I mean, it's pretty stupid to, refer, you know, we're going to save money on flying a. F- B-52, six hours from Guam to to North Korea or to Korea, and to train with them. If you're not training, you're not ready to fight. And they got a million guys ready to come across the border. Right. The North Koreans really ready. I mean, they have nothing else to do because they got nothing else going on there. So they're all ready to fight. Right. And so it's smart to train. And he's like you know, dreaming up stuff like that. He should, you know, he's beating up on the on the Canadians and the G7. He likes everything yeah. one-on-one. He likes one-on-ones. He doesn't like and, group. He doesn't play we would, well with others.
3: And it, and that's the challenge. And we, we discussed it, too, where we were talking about what perhaps an alternate Trump reality could have been, where multilaterally... Uh, imagine what the Chinese would feel like on the negotiating table with trade if the Europeans, the Americans, Latin America, Canada... All singing from the same sheet of music that some of China's policies needed to end. That the loss of that multilateral approach on trade, uh, and now he seems to be willing to give up that multilateral approach uh, in hard military power. Uh, it, when you when you talk about the it sounds overall like
1: you guys think that this was a reasonably positive week for the president.
4: I think
3: very positive.
4: I very
1: mean, positive. Everybody's
4: going to think he stopped the war with North Korea because I okay, think but, you know, like John McCain, you know, the crazy fat kid. Yeah. Everybody views him as as that, and so. He's got him calmed down. The guy even wants to talk to us now. And the economy's going great. Everybody's going to look like the economy's... What's unemployment? Uh, 3.8%? The stock market's... People are... That is... And this stuff is just garnishing. Okay, we're not going to have a war. Yeah, feel great.
1: So let's fast forward just a yeah. few months. We don't have to go. I mean, here we are in June. Let's go to August or September. The economy continues to do well. The tax cut continues to show some benefits. They continue to be able to make hay from whatever they say they're negotiating in North Korea. Republicans gain seats in the House. Can this can the, can Republicans keep House and Senate here?
4: Dan knows better. I don't follow the numbers. I'm not Carl Rose. The numbers,
3: I think, the the Senate is going to come down to uh, to a knife edge. you much
1: better looking than Carl Rose. <laughs> thank you. Have I, I told you that before? I probably haven't. Uh, it's been on my mind to I, mention you, it
3: to you. Uh, oh,
4: thank you so much You're for welcome. saying Sorry, that. Sorry, Carl, that, but that makes uh, I was very insecure about that. He I'm says sure, that yeah. to everyone. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Then it comes down to a knife edge, and there's the, the economic numbers are positive on one side for the Republicans, uh, but are they going to be talking about the tax cuts, or are they going to be talking about tariffs come November? What, what do they want to be able to talk about?
1: What are the Democrats going to be talking about as the counter-argument? I mean, other than we hate Trump, what are they talking well, about?
3: Well, they're really hoping that they focus on health care. Health care is consistently a good number for them and with what the trump administration did uh pulling the legal defense for pre-existing conditions which is on left and right the most popular part of obamacare they go it, ahead and pull that in the justice department they're not going to defend that and tumult in the health care market going into the election would be terrible the democrats them.
4: were smart about that i mean no one wanted health care but once they got it the mm-hmm. Democrats were smart. They knew, like, just give it to them for a couple of years. They'll get to it's like. like cable it. And then they're TV. not going to want to pull right. Yes. Yeah, That's exactly. Have so it. now, you know, the Republicans are trying to do what they think is the right thing. And they, no, we, you know, the premiums are going to go up. No, I, I like my health care. So now it's kind of a loser for them. Well, right? and no
3: one's worked on the private sector side. Where where's the common sense of? Look, don't you know? Just because someone had bone spurs when they were 11, you don't need to deny them coverage right. in certain ways. And for people with even more complex health conditions, it's it's a nightmare uh, to follow. But it's it's for the Democrats, it's a winning issue on health care. Uh, you also see large numbers of women and young people registering to vote who hadn't in the past. Right. Uh, we saw that in Virginia's uh, gubernatorial election as a bellwether a year ago.
1: But now we just had a court say that it's okay to actually uh, erase your rolls if people haven't been showing up to vote.
3: Correct, but that will take effect after the next election.
1: Oh, so, so we that's... can you, the, even the dead will be voting in Chicago once again. Always,
3: always. always. Dan,
4: Perfect. does do, do, does every woman in the U.S. and every millennial hate the president?
3: Uh, about ninety-five percent of them. Is that a real number? Yeah, close to <laughs> ninety percent. So everyone hates them. <laughs> <laughs>
4: every woman and every. But
3: still get, but him.
1: he'll get elected. He'll get reelected, right? Well, if there's enough, there's. Angry, well, that's the.
3: That's the. I, I yeah. say yes for now because, I, I ask Democrats, okay, who's running, and crickets, dead silence. Crickets,
1: and and what's their agenda? and so far it's healthcare but if the the other thing is can will this administration allow anyone to focus on any one issue or will they continue to create the next G7 the next trip to singapore the next blow up tweet that's going but, to steal we, we, all of the attention and headlines if we
3: put the if we put the twitter phone down and simply just operated like a normal presidency for the next few months you could have a blowout of the Democrats. This could have been a uh, if you'd had the mannerisms of a You think so. So without president.
1: Twitter and just the accomplishments, he'd be a, a further ahead paper, in the polls. On paper it's a
3: fantastic presidency.
1: On paper it's a fantastic presidency and and so you're saying that he loses that many style points? A ton of style points. You agree, because Tom? And, and so
3: many people wanted him to grow into the office.
1: He has kept pretty much every. He's done most of, other than getting that wall up, and I don't even want to go there. But, I mean, he's gotten done most of everything he said he was going to get done. I
4: think how many people he was going to win over is a little I, – I think he's got his core. And I think they love what he says and want him to keep doing what he's doing. How how, how much he can expand on that? I've always wondered how many people will go there. But if the economy is doing well and they think he averted – World War III and they don't really care if he's beaten up on the allies. They don't care.
1: My last 20 seconds with Mahaffey. uh, Tell me what we're going to be talking about next week. After all of this great drama and stagecraft, what are we talking about a week from now? Because we know (laughs) it's going to be back in the
3: headlines. So back, uh, we're going to be looking at how is this playing out, the the North Korean news playing out, and actually uh, some of the confusion in the Senate now. News Uh, from Capitol Hill? News from Capitol Hill. And I think we're also going to be starting to see more and more of that uh, election year psychology of what are sort of the symbolic votes, protest votes that I can get in uh, before it's
1: time to pack up and go home. Okay, you've got to tell us about the protest votes before we go home. Next week, I'm going to get back with Dan Mahaffey. Uh, stick with us on The Farcast. We're going to be right back with Tom Heath.
0: You're listening to Farcast.
1: This portion of The Farcast is brought to you by Far Miller & Washington Investment Council. Investment Council means we work for you. Our advice is tailored to you and to your needs and to reach your investment goals. At Farmiller in Washington, we believe money is hard to make, and we're going to work hard to keep it working for you.
0: Now more with Michael Farr and the Farcast.
1: Welcome back to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. It is a lovely day. I haven't been able to say that for the last three weeks. It's a lovely day in Washington, D.C. The Caps were parading through town with the Stanley Cup today. And God was in His heaven. All is right with the world. And now, uh, my friend Tom Heath is joining us. And Boris, that's a fabulous song. What are we listening to, Boris? Well, this is. Uh, are you familiar with? I almost the- forgot to go to the song, Boris. Did you see that? That probably. I did. Uh, yeah. Freudian. I did. Go but ahead. you're going
0: to like this song.
1: Oh, I can tell. I'm. The title like this of this song,
0: song yes. is uh, "Me and Babushka <laughs> McGee." <Maggie. laughs> <laughs> Babushka. Babushka. Yes, this was written and performed by Yuri Gagarin. So this. By was, Gagarin himself. That's right. Yes, wow, very talented
1: individual. That's uh, that's 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 terrific. Um, <laughs> that's that's Gagarin. That's and one word me for and it. Magu- me and Babushka McGee. yeah, the the popular Gagarin. song.
0: Oh yes, it was uh, number one for at least sixteen
1: weeks. Sixteen. Wow, that's ter- that's terrific. We learned so much here on the far- Uh Okay, uh, you've heard that Tom Heath has been here throughout the show. Uh, he is the investing personal investing, financial, business columnist from the Washington Post reporter, has, uh, is just one of the best.
4: Could you say how long I've been there, please, Mike, and for those who have missed it? It's uh, like three he, decades almost to the day. Actually, it is almost to the day. Happy birthday
1: to me. Uh, Tom Heath has been uh, with the Washington Post since God was wearing short pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, it when I, when we say that Tom Heath is older than dirt, it's actually a Don't. fact. There is dirt out there right now that is younger. Don't than be a Tom sinner. Heath.
4: Don't be a sinner. There <laughs> we have got out of this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, God. Yeah, God was uh, God was uh, yeah. liked you back then. He yeah. probably still has a place I'm, in his I'm, heart for you. I'm we'll with see. it. Hey, so Tom, uh, as, as you've been writing about markets, you've been writing about retirement. Let's look at the year. We've listened to Bocari tell us what we're doing short term. We've listened about the world. Markets haven't done a lot for the year.
4: Now, you know, they're up a little bit, and that's okay with me. You know, I don't want them up 30% yet because your dividends are buying stocks. You know, I reinvest. So the market flat, as long as it's not down 20 or 30%. I don't like that makes me nervous. But if it's flat or up a little bit, this is this is good. It's slow. This cooking. is not yeah, bad. Yeah, Goldilocks. I like it up a little bit. Slow, stable growth, just like the Clinton year. It's years. been more volatile like though this year. It, well, it was, but it's calmed down last month. I haven't had to write any stock market stories, uh, despite the tweets, despite the stuff today, all the craziness of the Nothing last week. Nothing today. Yeah, yeah the, 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 Polkari was right. Geopolitical politics just doesn't doesn't rock the markets. I think everything's everybody's waiting for interest rates unless you're I launching mean, nukes you launch unless, nukes yeah so you get, you 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 start get talking markets, nukes yeah yeah, yeah. markets well,
1: care markets care about nukes you yeah. get the Japanese under their desks over there exactly that's an
4: issue exactly but the president's tweets don't seem to be shaking up anything which I, mean, I think everybody... is
1: a good thing I mean the market's supposed to adapt to new information and we and we now have a president who tweets and, so you shouldn't get too upset by
4: it exactly and you got to think there's some businessmen there's probably a lot of investors that agree with the president and oh like, yeah like what he's doing and he's got like a huge what he's doing on rating tariffs. Rating right now not not all the companies are affected by terrorists but i uh, i think some people are happy with him and agree with him and like him going his own way and let, don't want the u.s to be a toady to everybody
1: we had craig bram on uh, the farcast uh earlier in the year he is the ceo of Sinoloy. Corporation, We've mentioned it a couple of times, S-Y-N-L, not a recommendation, ladies and gentlemen. What's that do? What's that do? Uh, what do, they, they, do? do they do specialty chemicals and stainless steel tube and pipe, so they really care. It's a commodities company. It's a little teeny micro—it's it's a small cap, uh, I guess. I don't even call it a micro cap. But anyway, uh, they benefited greatly from the tariff. They were added yesterday, I think, to the Russell 3000. Uh, wow I think they were added to the Russell three just because the yesterday. stock's gone up and well, they're, market they've had cap? a good they've got a good strong balance sheet I, I think I believe the balance sheet's in good order and they've had good earnings and good growth but this uh, he uh, Craig he Bram say? came on well Craig Bram came on and he thought these tariffs were a very good idea because he said it's been he's been unable uh, as hard as and close as he works his margins as tightly as he plays his employees to compete with the steel that's being dumped yeah. from overseas yeah. that's being subsidized by government subsidies. Now, he said that. You can go back and listen to that edition of the forecast. It's it's online. It's on iTunes. It's on all of these different places where we where we appear. But you can go back and listen to so, so a lot of people actually benefited yeah. from some of these some tariffs. Some people
4: think that tariffs – a lot of people think it's an unforced error and, and the president shouldn't do it. But, you know, he, if you – there's a lot of noise and he – but, but the bottom line is, he's getting people to the table. He's getting some things done. And uh, whether you like it or not, if, it depends on your politics. But he is.
1: Well, you know, uh, you know, he, 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 there's no question. The you doing well. You can't,
4: you, can, you can't ignore that. And the previous president deserves some credit, and so does the current president.
1: Uh, the economy is I mean, doing well. Weird. It seems strong He's to me. staying
4: out of the way, mostly.
1: And what do we do? I mean, we're arguing some. I mean, you talk to the economists. You listen to the Fed. Listen to all the commentary that you're going to hear about the Fed over the next few days. And we're arguing about whether we're going to have 2% growth, 3% growth, or 4% growth. If you tell me that the range for GDP growth is 2 to 4% over the next year or two, hallelujah. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, you know, let the pigeons loose. These, these are hell times, thing. man.
4: Things are good. Things are really good. People forget that you, you know, got three you point through the percent yes. unemployment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, mean, I did look good. through the seventies. I mean, the biggest news this week is the Capitals winning the Stanley Cup and the parade today It was a sea of red going to work. I Which mean, that's is, what people. What? I mean, you know, peace and whatever he's he's got the yeah Mr. Kim to, doing, but he's got but he's you know taking his finger off the trigger. So things are good. People. People don't realize how good so they are. So things are good. It. And so when you yeah.
1: when you talk to investors and you talk to all of these pros you, you you talk to about what they're doing, how they invest, what's the big takeaway as you go through all the volatility and all the news headlines we've had? And here we are in June. We're about the halfway mark for the year for investors. And you've been doing this a long time because, of course, you've been doing it a long time. Uh, tell us what tell us what you're thinking about. What are you hearing?
4: They're just taking the long view. Keep If you have a plan, have a plan. Decide how you're going to invest. Like what decide. kind of plan? Give like me a long-term plan. long-term plan. Okay, Like, what? like 60-40, the, the classic investment theory, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. You if didn't do that when you
1: were 30 years old. I
4: did 80-20 when I was 30. Did you I probably really? did 90-10, but I, you know, I barely knew what a bond was. Right. I knew enough stocks. I had a wife who was smart and said, put your money in the Windsor Fund. So you got to have a plan. Let the compounding work for you. Helps work to have a you. smart wife. Yeah, it really helps. No question about exactly. it. Exactly, and 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 just save like mad. Live beneath your means. Save. But what are investors saying? Uh, they don't seem too worried. You know, you can get into the minutia of, of all the interest rates and what's the Fed gonna do. But uh, you got to look long term when you're investing. You got to look five, ten, fifteen, twenty years down the road. What are you gonna do? There's not much you can affect. Most of us aren't smart enough and there's people on wall street doing th- doing things daily that we can't beat and i said that on previous shows so just buy stocks stay in them uh, for the long haul and it'll make money for you it's not there's there's no magic a, bullet here there's nothing there's no magic no bullet that that's
1: important it's you know really, it, the the market is no place to get rich if, Say, if you want to get rich, right. you know, try to go to Vegas, you'll probably lose Be all your boring,
4: money. Be boring. Get big cap stocks. If you think you're you can buy individual stocks and pick them, I would not advise it and most people don't. But just uh buy mutual no, funds that are really Farr low Farr cost. Miller and Washington. Exactly. Right. Far Miller yeah. and
1: Washington. You forget whose show this was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check yeah. please. Yeah. yeah, buy the no-load uh, mutual fund. Yeah. Ah. What's what's that name again? Far Miller and <laughs> it's Washington. It's an old old firm. Farr, it's farmiller.com. It is. It's a w- good old Washington DC I mean, this, this, this year is months.
4: perfect. The stock market's up a little bit. I'm happy. Uh, my, I have a lot of dividend
1: stock. I don't think about the market. And a year I'll chuck back in. And you know what? I'll be richer than I am now. So I had a young person ask me the other day. They said, I really want to start to invest. Tell me what I need to think about. And I said, well, first, don't think about getting rich in the market. The reason you invest in the market is to earn more money than you can earn in the banks exactly. and have your money grow at a bit faster pace. You're going to accept a little more volatility over the years uh, by doing it that way. but." Everything in the past has suggested you would make more money by doing it that way, and and I have. And then we have to say, when I say things like that, that past performance is no indication of future results because just because it happened over the past 30 years, 50 years, or 100 years doesn't mean that things can't be different tomorrow and we'll all lose our shirts. But if, if the world doesn't end, typically corporate America grows, and you buy a little piece of it, and you hold on. Yeah,
4: be, yeah be boring. Just, just put your money in stocks and... Don't think about it for until you're fifty-five or sixty,
1: or until you die. And you were writing until about you, uh, you were writing about dying in a couple big of your book. columns. The well, big book. Well, you did the big book, and you did the kids fighting over money. Oh uh, mu- yeah, but when G- you come- it gets nasty. It nasty. gets nasty. Well, I've seen it get nasty. Yeah. I it, mean, I've I've had a seat at a lot of those tables over the last thirty plus years. I'll bet you have. Yeah. I, uh, the kids, the kids, oh needling out, and one kid uh, will stomp on the other kid, and no. other kid, and some of the kids taking stuff out of the house, going at night, oh, and yeah. taking artwork, uh, yeah, and jewelry backing and up the
4: and, truck, and, and oh yeah. doing the big dump, oh yeah, and you go there, well, hey, where's mom's recipe box? Yeah.
1: Oh, well, where did the artwork go? Yeah. Oh, that's Dad gone. passes away, mom's oh, yeah. in assisted living, and all of a sudden the title. For the family farm is now exactly. in Georgia. name. Everyone
4: goes through this. It's like Michael Corleone said in Godfather 3.
1: Every family has bad memories.
4: So it's, you know, well, but everybody but goes through this.
1: But but reading your column, there were some suggestions about, you know, how not to go through it. I mean, you know, we, we know that this—greed is not always good. Have huh? a
4: family meeting if everybody doesn't hate each other right. before, while you're still alive. if you're If you're the patriarch or the matriarch, have a meeting— Here's the stuff, and what does everybody want? That's what my wife's family did. It's, what, it's what, called put, the tough discussion, down, right? Yeah, how do you discussion. have the
1: tough discussion? How do you start the tough discussion?
4: You, yeah. May right. we,
1: how about, may we have permission to talk about what all, happens to all my stuff when I'm gone?
4: Exactly. Well, the the you've got to have the discussion because you've got to have transparency. The worst thing you want is what you just described. Somebody yes. pulling up, you know, uh, uh, and stealing the stuff, and you didn't, and, and dad's corpse isn't Isn't cold yet. And so everybody's stolen the stuff or stolen expensive china or the tea set or not. So you gotta be transparent so people don't. People know what's going on and can have a discussion
1: about it. That's I went the
4: to, key. That's th- really the key. So
1: I went to one family meeting. I'm sure Whether it's money it, or
4: rugs or whatever it
1: is. The family meeting was uh, just, as, I guess it was within a year of after the father died. This was a client? This was a client. And and the uh, children uh, had a meeting at the lawyer's office with their mother, the widow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they were all arguing about who was going to get what. and. When and could she start gifting now? And they were being very aggressive. And at one point, she looked up with tears in her eyes and she said, you realize I'm not dead yet.
4: That's sad. That's
1: it was so sad. That's a sad, so that's sad. sad story. Uh, but this is what happened. So the transparency, the fairness, and, and boy, if there is uh, one of the things I, I, I really like, and I, I'm not a lawyer, so I have to be careful saying it. So check with your lawyer. But, but uh, the, um, if you contest this, you're out clause in a will there are clauses in wills and trusts that say i know that if any i do of, know that i know someone who did beneficiaries that beneficiaries yeah. contest this at all quiet. they're done you're I, done you're I, out
4: great point that is exactly what happened that, I, I know a family that you, that get, happened you don't to. like yep, it if tough. they fight it or if the kid there you know I, I interviewed this lawyer and he said he had three brothers and one was uh, uh, disabled and i hope that's a word i can use uh, I can't keep track with what the... Disabled, what the, you can okay. use, Okay, yes. And there were two brothers, and he said he wanted the, the, the third brother to have a, a fund yes. so that he could function. Yes. When, and, and the two brothers, <laughs> the old man died, and they tried to screw him out of the money. The I, said, disabled I said to brother. the lawyer, I said, is this true? He said, yes. Yes. They t- they, and he, the lawyer had to go to court to make sure that the other... I mean, it's like, it's like a friend told me about golf. Well, it was Rain Man.
1: Of, that was the movie Rain Man, yeah. right? It was the yeah. whole movie.
4: You learn a lot about a person on a golf course. You learn about 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 their character and if they cheat. You know what? When somebody goes and the family's got to divide it up, you learn a lot about your brothers and sisters and Lots so of details. on and so forth.
1: Write it down. Yeah, and, and I will tell nasty. One of you know. So we advise a lot of clients through this, and and I'm doing it right now. And I'm sitting down with a family right now. And there's always one problem child. Right, there's always the one you have to account yeah, for, liar. yeah. And my advice is always communicate more rather than less, yeah. Tell them more. I, I yeah. was ex- smart executor of my mother's estate, smart. and I'm trustee for my father. Uh, I tell I have three sisters, I have three wonderful sisters. I, we love each other, we really do. But you know, one of them really loves one of the mom's necklaces, or somebody really loves a painting, yeah. right? Look, as executor. I, every time I did anything, every time I moved money, I sent an email to each one Brilliant. of my sisters. Yes. Every time I yes. did anything. And when it came to the yes. final division, I made sure I got less. Yes, And I did not take a fee as executor.
4: You're like my wife.
1: Why? I, 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 this is not she worth took fighting life. She
4: just wanted a, a very... Uh, she, and she she At the end, fair. she said to everybody, she was the executor, executrix or whatever you can call it. Trixie. And she said, does anybody feel screwed over? Yeah, and nobody, everybody got something, and it's a miracle she took less.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, I'm surprised. (laughs) She took less. uh, She took. It's awful. I'm so sorry for you. (laughs) And with that, we are out of time with my friend Tom Heath, who I I guess I'll have to be buying him dinner because he got less. (laughs) Uh, Oh, (laughs) please, (laughs) please. Yes, uh, you know, send send your send your bonds, checks, notes. Cash in an envelope to Tom he at sales. the Washington Post. Send me Post. money. Go Just take the money out of the purse and send right it to the Right, break Tom open Heed. the piggy bank now. Please don't. The questions he'll have to fa- Actually, go ahead. It would be fabulous to have him come back and tell us what Washington Post security does when they get envelopes of cash. Buy caps to tickets <laughs>
3: for next year season tickets. <laughs>
1: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is, uh, brings us to the end of another Farcast. Thank you so much for joining us each and every week as you do. And thanks for sharing on social media. Please remember that if you think you've heard any recommendation to buy or sell a security on the Farcast, you haven't. We don't do that here. If you think you should change something in your portfolio, please don't. Not on our recommendation. Go check with your investment person, professional. Get some professional advice and counsel. Or give us a call at Far Miller, and Washington. I really have the great privilege of working with some very talented experienced people who Thank you are, very much. Who would who would like to
4: Thank you Mike. help no.
1: you uh <laughs> help you who with the hell all was the of other it. guy. As, <laughs> as as yeah. Do you,
4: you want to, do you want me to do a victory lap? Can I? <laughs>
1: And on a serious... I'm going to leave. put you in my will. (laughs) I'm going to put you in my will. It's far with two R's when you get to the beneficiary line, just far with two R's. Somebody's going to write that down, you know. They're going to be filling out all the paperwork. (laughs) What do I put here? Far with two R's on the beneficiary line. Uh, We could hear it. Um, uh, On a serious note, we did hear also last night that my very dear friend Larry Kudlow had suffered a heart attack. It was. It, we, uh, Judy has said it was mild and that Larry's going to uh, enjoy a full recovery. Uh, we're very grateful for that. And we send Larry all of our best wishes and prayers. Dedicate this episode of The Forecast to my friend, dear friend Larry Kudlow. In Washington, D.C., I'm Michael Farr. We'll see you again next week. Good night, folks.